water buffalo was just as surprised as I was. Hi, welcome to Dungeon Seekers. My name is Mackenzie. And I'm Steve. And today we're talking about ability scores and water buffalo. <laughs> ability scores. So if you're new to D&D, you probably know that ability scores exist, and that's probably the extent of your knowledge as to what they are. You probably know that you roll dice to determine them, and that they exist, and that they're numbers at the top of your character sheet. But, what do they actually do? Uh, pretty much everything. They uh, are going to basically be, uh, number one, uh, you know, the things that determine your character in its entirety, you know, you have your background, you have traits, you have flaws and that kind of thing that you can totally, uh, there's a bunch of different resources for that, either, um, you know, in the player's handbook, in some of the supplements, or just come up with it yourself. Uh, or if you've seen one of the other episodes of Dungeon Seekers, when you go into background and that kind of stuff, um, that's really more about motivation and how to role play the character. But this is really going to determine a lot of the things about your character as far as playtime goes. So, um, we have a very common analogy that you can find on pretty much any website. If you just like search for D&D ability scores, there's really one analogy that explains and sums up ability scores pretty well. Um, and that is the tomato analogy. Yeah, absolutely. So first, the six ability scores, if you don't know, they are strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. So the tomato analogy basically is uh, strength is your ability to throw a tomato really hard. Dexterity is the ability to dodge a tomato that's been thrown at you. Uh, constitution is the ability to eat a bad tomato. Intelligence is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. And then charisma is the ability to sell a tomato-based fruit salad. Right. So, um, if that didn't leave you more confused <laughs> than you were when you got here, um, then we're off to a great start. So, um, you've, you've been introduced to what the ability scores or what the abilities are, and a very, very brief summary <laughs> of what each of them means. Um, so each class has ability scores that they really should focus on a little bit more, and there are also uh, bonuses to certain ability scores based on your race or class. So... Uh, let's go on ahead and get started with strength. Yeah, so strength is, uh, as it's stated on page 12 of the Player's Handbook, 5th edition, uh, natural athleticism or bodily power. You know, as strength, I feel like more than anything, is fairly self-explanatory. The, the higher the score is, the stronger your character is going to be, you know, the physical toughness and that kind of thing. So that's going to be important, number one, for melee fighters. So we're talking barbarians, fighters, paladins... Um, people that are going to be th that are going to rely on brute strength a lot. So if you are a character that's not going to be relying on that, you don't really need to worry about that too much. 
Right. So there are some races that are going to get a bonus to their strength. Uh, so that's going to be Mountain Dwarves get plus two. Uh, Dragonborn get plus two. Half-orcs get plus two. And humans get plus one. Yeah. And the thing about humans, uh, as far as when you're picking a race... They're good because they're kind of good at everything, so they're actually going to get a plus one to every ability score. Uh, certain races are only going to get maybe plus one or plus two to one or two ability scores. Uh, some races actually have sub-races that are going to give you additional bonuses. Um, so that's why they make that distinguishment between mountain dwarfs as opposed to hill dwarves or just generally speaking, just dwarves in general. So certain, uh, certain races are going to get certain ability bonuses, um, but humans get a plus one to everything right off the bat. So if you're boring and decide to play a human in Dungeons and Dragons, you get a bonus for being boring. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. It's my story. I'm sticking to it. All right, so next we have dexterity. Dexterity is going to be, uh, you know, physical agility, um, reflexes, balances, mobility, that kind of thing. Um, dexterity is really important uh, to people like monks, rangers, and rogues. Uh, one, because uh, especially monks and rogues, uh, they're, they need to move around very quickly. Uh, usually they're going to use finesse weapons, which means that it's a, even though it's a melee weapon, uh, it's something that you can actually add your dexterity score instead of your strength score. Most well, melee weapons, uh, because it's strength, you want to figure out how hard you're going to hit something. So if you think about it, you know, how hard you can swing a club, that's going to be strength-based. But if you're playing with, like, a dagger or a rapier that you're tr kind of, you know, trying to duel with someone, um, it's easier, it's better to have a higher dexterity score because you've got to find those openings or something. Um, and dexterity is also going to help with your armor class. Yes, absolutely. So the higher your dexterity, typically the higher your armor class. Obviously, there's more that goes into armor class than just dexterity. But depending on the class you're playing, that can have a big role in your armor class as well. Yeah. Um, so, races that get bonuses to dexterity. Let's see. Elves get plus two. Halflings get plus two. Forest gnomes, that's me, uh, get plus one. And humans get plus one. Yeah, and you, if you think about it, you know, like already you're kind of seeing, so mountain dwarves, dragonborns, half orcs, they get that bonus to strength. They're the hardier, they're the big beefy types. Dexterity, you know, elves, halflings, they're a little bit more lith. Uh, they're, you know, they're a little bit more mobile just right off the bat. So you're going to kind of see, okay, yeah, kind of making a little bit sense here. Um, and if you're confused about that whole armor class thing, it's like, wait, how is dexterity factoring into armor? Armor class isn't necessarily just if you can take a hit. It's more of if you can avoid getting hit also. Mm -hmm. So that's the part of the thing about dexterity, being able to dodge. So if you're one of those classes that doesn't really wear armors, like your wizards or sorcerers, uh, dexterity is really important to you as well, even though it doesn't say right off the bat, monks, rangers, rogues. Those are the absolutely most important. But it's also important to wizards, you know, uh, bards sometimes, Any depending on what armor. Yeah. Squishy. Anyone if you're squishy. squishy, dexterity isn't necessarily your main focus, but you definitely need to keep it in mind. Yeah, you don't want to necessarily make it your uh, quote-unquote dump stat, which we'll get to later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, next we have constitution. Yeah, so that's going to be health, stamina, your vital force, if you will, um, you know, your internal fortitude. Your, it's more of like an inner strength. Um, that's why it's that you can eat a bad tomato and keep going. Um, so if you have a strong constitution, you know, you're going to be able to, it, that, that's more important for, you know, if you're trying to fight some sort of poisonous effect or something like that. Um, you know, or if you, you, on the other side, if you have a low constitution score, you're going to pr- maybe be a little bit more squeamish or, you know, be susceptible to poison or, you know, spicy food. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. Um, okay, so... Races that have a bonus to constitution. Uh, dwarves have plus two. A stout halfling has plus one. A rock gnome has plus one. A half-orc has plus one. And as always, a human has plus one. Yes. And uh, the other thing about constitution being very important, because as the player handbook says, it's important for everyone. Uh, this also determines partially how, much, how many hit points you're going to have. Uh, anytime you level up, either whether you're going to roll the dice or you're going to take that average, whatever it might be, uh, you also add your constitution bonus, your ability modifier, to however many hit points you're going to get each time you level up. So it's super important for everyone, too. Unless you like being really super squishy and easy to kill, in which case, don't worry about it. There's that. Yeah. All right. Next, we have Intelligence which is not the same as wisdom. Correct. So intelligence, uh, it's going to, it is more that mental acuity, uh, information recall, analytic skill, um, overall your, you know, your intelligence. This, this is what we would also call book smarts. I was about to say that. Um, whereas wisdom would be your street smarts. So intelligence is going to be most important for typically for spellcasters. So, um, specifically wizards. Um, let's see. Races that get bonuses. Uh, high elves get plus one. Gnomes get plus two. Tieflings get plus one. And humans are humans, so they get plus one. Yeah, I mean, intelligence is one of those things where everybody wants to be smart, but your class might not necessarily need to be smart. Wizards need to be smart because of how they get their magic. They get their magic by intense study and, you know, you know, being basically that bookworm. So intelligence is really important key there. Um, if you're a barbarian, it's probably not going to be as important. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, not everybody needs to be book smart. Some people just need to be street smart. Um, some people really don't need to be either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not going to name any names. <laughs> so next is Wisdom, a.k.a. Street Smarts. And this is awareness, uh, insight, intuition. Um, like we said, that Street Smarts. Uh, generally speaking, it's going to be your uh, ability to kind of have that situational awareness. So this is going to be important for perception checks, um, either to spot something in a room or maybe to get some sort of insight as to see maybe if a character that you're interacting with is actually telling you the truth or not. Um, so that's important for wisdom. Also just kind of generally 
um, again, what I call situational awareness, or if you will, reading the room. Um, someone that is going to have a high wisdom is probably going to be okay in certain social interactions um, and not going to be making those kind of uh, you know faux pas, if you will. A low wisdom score is generally going to be um, kind of maybe that bumbling person, uh, but you know we'll kind of get a little bit more into that later. Still not naming names. Um, <laughs> so classes that... Um, really benefit from a high wisdom score are going to be um, specifically clerics and druids. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if there are any others. I mean, there there are others that you might want it, but those ones really kind of need it. Um, and then races that have bonuses for wisdom. Um, hill dwarves have plus one. Wood elves have plus one. And as always, humans have plus one. Mm. So a lot of people think, oh, like, you know, all elves are very wise. Not necessarily. Um, that one, there are a lot fewer bonuses based on race than a lot of the others. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like uh, there's kind of an old saying goes, um, you know, with, with knowledge comes wisdom. With wisdom comes understanding. So it's not necessarily, you don't, intelligence and wisdom don't necessarily have to go together. Um, just because you have a high intelligence doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a high wisdom as well. Um, and vice versa. Yeah, and, and vice versa. Uh, so you could, you know, not necessarily know what, you know, how to solve a quadratic equation, but you have a little bit more better understanding of, you know, the world at large, if you will. And for me, I think one of the hardest things to grasp when I started playing was that wisdom and intelligence don't have to go hand in hand because normally when you think about them, you think, okay, they, they were kind of the same thing. But when you break it down to book smarts versus street smarts, you realize that you know even outside of the, the game world, they are two very different things that a lot of times go hand in hand, but a lot of times, I mean, there might be someone who's very, very intelligent who just has no idea what's going on in the mm -hmm. world around them. Not um, naming names. No, of course not. We would never name names. Um, but it, it's one of those, you can have a lot of fun playing a character like that. Um, you just have to... What, what's the best way? Don't overdo it. Yeah, I think maybe we can uh, get into that on our, our role-playing episode. We're talking I, about role-playing. I think that's stories. going to be what our entire yeah. episode is. Probably. <laughs> All right, so last, we have charisma. Yeah, and charisma, uh, that's more, that's your confidence, your eloquence, um, leadership skills, maybe. Gildroy Lockhart. Yeah, that certain, uh, well, I mean, you could kind of make an argument one way or the other for him having either a high or a low charisma. Why not both? Right. Um, you know, it's that tough where, um, you know, someone with a high charisma also, I, you might also maybe consider that the likability factor or that someone with a high charisma is going to have a certain amount of flair, a certain amount of likability. Um, you know, it's that person in the room that people kind of gravitate towards. Um, they are, they're going to be like a good storyteller or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, 
where, again, so that's going to be important for bards, sorcerers, and warlocks, because that's where you get your, your uh, basically your spellcasting ability from. This is what we call your spellcasting ability for bards, warlocks, and sorcerers, is your charisma, that just kind of natural flair. Right. So races that have bonuses to charisma, um, half-elves have plus two, uh, drow have plus one, Lightfoot halflings have plus one, dragonborn have plus one, humans have plus one, and tieflings have plus two. Yeah, and some of those are a little bit more of uh, what you what you might call monstrous races. You know, your drows, your dragonborns, tieflings. They're they're a little bit more uh, uncommon, and uh, they're a little bit more out. You know, further away from what a human looks like, or you know, those quote unquote normal people. Um, so, but it's still they they can still have high charisma because they can also still have, um, you know, there's maybe some sort of uh, mysterious quality to them, or just uh, intimidation. Right, which is they're also able charisma to, based. They're able to kind of, they're able to walk into a room and just kind of take command. Um, you know, they walk in and people are like, "Oh, a tiefling. What? Why are they here? It must be something important, or at the very least, interesting." Or their name is Jester. That could be. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, someone with a low charisma might tend to, and again, it depends on how you play it. You could either play them as uh, awkward in social situations or just abrasive, uh, which are other, you know, the other spectrum of low ability, you know, charisma-wise. Right, which I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, like, with charisma especially, the way the spectrum is as far as like personality I guess you could say goes like high charisma is going to be right in the middle instead of like one end or the other whereas like you know intelligence for example it's just a straight scale yeah think yeah. bell curve yeah yeah charisma there's a little bit it's there's a little bit more nuances to uh, I feel like charisma and wisdom more than some of the other ability scores right right Okay, so, um, let's see. So, ability scores and modifiers. Um, that's something that, again, I didn't really understand how it worked um, for probably the first, like, month that we played our, our first game. Um, granted, we were playing 3.5, so I still don't know that I know how any of it works in 3.5. Um <laughs> But there, if you have a player's handbook, which I think you should have a player's handbook, mm -hmm. um, there is a very nice table um, on page 13 of the player's handbook that basically shows you what your um, ability modifier is based on your ability. So ability modifiers are going to help you out with your skills. Yes. So, and this is before going into, you know, what a skill is and what kind of abilities you're going to add to it and proficiency bonuses and that kind of thing. So ability scores and modifiers right off the bat, um, a 10 or an 11 as an ability score. So say you have a 10 in strength, that's considered average. Um, you know, you're not going to get a penalty for having a 10 or 11, but you're not necessarily going to get a bonus to it either. Any step above that, we're increasing by two. So a 12 or a 13 
that's going to be slightly above average. That's going to get you a plus one to it. Um, and then it goes up to a maximum of 30. Uh, usually, actually, it's a, a maximum of 20 um, most of the time as far as getting that to a, you know, in, our, in more most regular ways, like character advancement, and you can actually add to your ability scores later on as you kind of increase in level. Um, but usually the cap is right around 20, which would get you a plus five. And then on the, on, on the other end of the spectrum, if you get an eight or a nine, that's going to give you a negative one penalty. And what that means is when you do that d20 dice roll uh, on certain ability checks or saving throws or whatever the case is, you could either, right off the bat, you're, you're either going to start adding numbers or subtracting numbers without getting into proficiency bonus and any other sort of skill bonuses you might have. Right. So I know a lot of beginning players who, like, they'll write down their ability scores, and there's the box for modifiers, and they don't know what it is, so they just leave it blank. So now you know, find the table on page 13, or just do math. Um, fill that in, because it's going to make your life a lot easier than having to look and do math every time. Yeah. So uh, if you're using the kind of the standard 5th edition character sheet, that side on the left, uh, you know, you'll see that column that's going down the left, and it starts strength, dexterity, constitution. Um, there's kind of a rectangular box to it, and then also there's a little oval in the middle, like towards the bottom. Oh, look, we that. have oh, look at that. a character sheet. Yeah. So... On the, the side towards the crease of the book. Where the glare is. Where the glare is. I'll probably post a better picture. Yeah. So uh, if you actually have that page open, or if you want to follow along as I want to do this. So you get that rectangular shape and then the oval inside it. So you can do one of two things. The, the, at least from what I've seen, the traditional way to do it is putting your ability score, the actual score itself, in the big part, in the big rectangle, and then your bonus as a plus or a negative representation in the oval. I've also seen it flipped, um, where the big number is the bonus, and then the small number is the actual score. And at first when I saw that, I was like, no, that's blasphemy. But then I'm thinking about it, and it's like, that's actually not a bad idea, because... You What's more important is the bonus. It's not necessarily right. what the score actually you is. You very rarely pay attention to what your actual score is. Yeah. Um, usually it's the bonus. So, like, again, I I do everything on D&D Beyond, so I don't put anything in any boxes. Um, it does it for me. But um, there are some people that we play with who I think could benefit from putting their modifier in the large box so they can find it because they struggle to find it. Yeah. And um, before we, I think, before we talk about skills and saving throws and that kind of thing, which is mostly how you use those ability scores, um, we could probably talk about how you actually get those ability scores. Dice! Well, not always. So the traditional Sometimes way... Sometimes dice. The traditional way, at least, the way that we have, uh, the way that we've done it every time we've played and started to roll up a character, uh, is you take four D6s, which is this guy right here. Uh, you take four of them, and you roll that. You roll four D6. Uh, you drop the lowest number of that, and then you add the total for the other three dice together. And that's your ability score for one of your abilities. And you do that six times, so that's going to get you six different numbers. Um, the traditional way of, do or well, I don't know, I guess our traditional way of doing it is then you take your class, 
um, you figure out, okay, if I'm playing a barbarian, I want to put my highest number in strength, maybe second highest number in constitution, and so on. Um, and then after that, you go through and you add your any sort of racial ability modifiers. So if I'm playing a mountain dwarf barbarian, I'm still going to add plus two to my strength and kind of so on. Um, the other way of doing it, of course, uh, which might be a little bit uh, more funner. and uh, More funner? And lead to very interesting um, role-playing opportunities is by just going down the line and saying, okay, the first number that you're going to roll is your strength. Your second number that you're rolling is your dexterity. So that you're really living and dying by the dice where if you roll really poorly that first time around uh, and you get a really low strength score, that could be really interesting. While he thinks that that's a more fun way to do it, for me, that's a much more anxiety-inducing way of doing it. That's fair. Um... Like, I, I would have a lot of negative feelings about that experience. Um, so since Steve is our DM, please don't ever make me do that. Um, there is another way to come up with your ability scores, aside from rolling your 46. And, and that's just taking them from the player's handbook. Um, well, one of the ways. So they give, you the, uh, they give you just a, a set of ability scores that you can try and pick and choose which one. And it would go 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8. Which means that you're going to wind up with one or two, maybe depending on the way your, your racial bonuses are going to end up going. One or two high scores, a couple medium scores, and then maybe one or two low scores. Which is a good mix. Um, it's, you could kind of... And that's going to say, okay, I know I'm going to have one or two really good scores. I know I might have one or two that are not so good. Um, when you roll your own scores, even though you're, you are at the end of the day picking most of the time, uh, which abilities, which actual numbers go to which ability scores, if your highest ability score is still a 13 or a 14, you know, not necessarily doing that good. And if you roll a couple of not so great numbers, you might be stuck with a couple of hindrances that you might not necessarily want. Um, so that's a good way of kind of keeping it simple, especially if you're a first-time player or if you're maybe even if you're trying to just do a, a one-shot really quickly. It's really good to just have those numbers in your back pocket in case you want to just say, okay, I'm going to use those, write them down, and I'm good to go. Which that's something that um, I feel like a lot of DMs will be fine with you just using those. Some might be like, no, I want you to roll like everybody else. Um, so, I mean, it's it's going to change a little bit based on the game you're playing, who you're playing with. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's one of the, honestly, to me, it's actually one of the m most fun parts about making a character is rolling up those ability scores. Uh, most fun, I might also have a terrifying. gambling problem, but, you know, that's just me. For me, rolling ability scores is, like, I don't want to say the most terrifying part of D&D because death is a very real possibility <laughs> in D&D. Um, but as far as the, like, character prep, I always get nervous when rolling ability scores, um, because I have a bad habit of rolling low numbers just in general. Um, so there's that. Um, I mean, the, the other side of that is how, uh, lenient or how much, uh, you know, pity your DM wants to take on you, where I've had it where I've just had someone roll absolutely terribly with the ability scores and you don't and you know that's kind of necessarily one of those things where it's like oh that's kind of crappy so depending on what those are 
I might, you know, have them re-roll one of them, or I might say, okay, you know, we'll kind of maybe smudge it a little bit and maybe boost, give you give you a boost to one or two, um, just to try and make sure because the, I mean you're gonna be living with those things for the rest of the campaign, however long that might be. So years, it could be years. Could be. <laughs> um, so you don't necessarily want to walk around with those ability scores that are really low. So, you know... As or maybe you do. It depends do. on the character yeah. you're playing. Maybe your your GM is going to give you an opportunity to boost those in somehow. Um, you know, that's more one of those things that it goes back to your DM and, you know, how much you can bribe them. I mean, you can always offer to bake them red velvet cheesecake brownies. And then never deliver. And then never deliver. Um, but if it if it gets your character what you want for your character, I mean, just if you never deliver, then the DM might take that out on you. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> one of the variants to uh, doing uh, ability scores or customizing ability scores, uh, as shown on page thirteen of yeah thirteen of the player's handbook um if you for some reason don't like rolling dice, which I don't know why you're playing d and d if you don't if like you don't like dice, rolling dice, then um, just turn us off now and <laughs> we'll finish the episode, but then just just stick to video games yeah um maybe maybe rolling dice gives maybe the uh, rolling of the ability scores gives you a little bit too much anxiety but um, I still get to roll dice, so I still do it at any rate uh the cool one of the interesting ways to do ability scores is by uh, kind of buying them with points. Um, so uh, there are a couple of ways to do this, but the player's handbook gives a really cool um, idea for how to do that. Basically, you you have a set of twenty seven points. You start off with twenty seven points, and then each ability score you want to purchase is going to be worth a certain amount of points. Uh, now, an ability score of eight is going to cost you zero points. An ability score of nine is going to cost you one, and so on, until you get to your maximum ability score that you can purchase in this way, which would be a 15 at nine points. And the idea behind that is you can do anything from getting three really good scores at a 15 without any sort of racial bonuses or anything like that, and then really three kind of lower ability scores in those three eights. Uh, and then you could also go to the other side of the spectrum and just get, you know, three twelves and three thirteens, which are going to be really average, um, or anything in between. So maybe you could dump a couple of those into really high. So you want, you know, maybe two high fifteens, and then you're left over with maybe kind of buying a couple of lower level, and then you might wind up with one or two lower scores. Um, this is really interesting uh, because it gives that it gives actually a little bit more control over your ability scores um, as far as instead of, you know, living and dying by your dice rolls. You're uh, not leaving it up to chance. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you go, you know, and it's one of those things where if you go with the three fifteens, because, you know, the, each 15 is worth nine points. So you're go- only going to be able to buy those. And then you're left over with three eights. You're playing a human. You're going to get a plus one to each one of those 15s, which is going to round up to a 16. And you got three ability scores right off the bat that's going to give you a plus three. So that's kind of an interesting way to do it. Um, what do you think? I mean, then you also have three that are going to give you a minus one. And that's just three different opportunities for doing awesome role playing. Very true. Um, I personally still even though it makes me anxious, I still prefer 
rolling to see what I can get because then I have the possibility of getting higher than a 15 or a 16. But, you know, you also have the possibility of getting lower than an 8. So, I mean, yes, it's it's leaving it up to chance versus saying, okay, I want control over the character. Um, for me, I enjoy the mild panic attack that I have <laughs> when rolling ability scores because that's... For me, that's part of the kind of getting excited about the game and getting into the character. Yeah, I could definitely see it as a little bit of a roller coaster ride um, as you're like trying to figure out, oh, what's going to happen? Um, and you might you get like one or two really good ones and then one or two really bad ones. And then, you know, maybe it'll even out. Um, but yeah, so, you know, knowing probability and dice, uh, theoretically, the highest number that you could get is an 18 rolling the sixes or rolling the d6s and the lowest mm -hmm. score would be a three um which personally if you wind up with a three i as a dm i would say okay well maybe let's re-roll that one once and then you know whatever else happens happens and then if you end up with a three again then he's going to lose all hope for your character yeah then you just need new dice yeah <laughs> that that's a, a call for dice jail um that, that can be discussed at a later date yeah, um, but you know that's one, the thing about ability scores. At least when you're, when we're talking about rolling them and everything, um, I don't necessarily believe in not having any low ability scores because sometimes the best times and the best moments in the game, especially role playing wise, are when you have those low ability scores and it comes into play, and it it's just it's you know at, at the end of the day, this game is about having fun, right? It's a game, uh, and what? those are the most. I know. Uh, it's right here on the on the cover of the book. World's greatest role playing game. Oh, no. it's a game yeah. that explains so much. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> understand now. Uh, I don't even know where to go with that. No, I lost <laughs> my train of thought. Uh, so skills. Skills. Right. We we've got skills. They're modifying. I had to I had to sneak that in there, and I think I broke him. So next to your ability scores on the uh, character sheet, on the character sheet, um, it's going to be your skills. Right. Uh, so this is there. There are two. Uh, there are two boxes here. There's the skills and the saving throws. Um, both are you kind of use the the, the same, just in different situations. Um, so th saving throws, it's a little bit easier. you got strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. So there are six different kinds of saving throws. And those are to uh, basically save yourself from some sort of either situation or maybe even magical effect or that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, and it goes, it's aligned to whatever ability score we're looking at. So a dexterity saving throw is going to maybe uh, you know stop yourself from falling off of a ledge or uh, you're going to be able to dodge a fireball or a trap or something like that. Um, you know, a constitution, a constitution saving throw is going to be to try and fight some sort of internal effect, so like a poison or disease or something like that. Or like mind control. I think that's more of either... Was that an, one mind control? It's, that's more of an intelligence or a wisdom. Um, Probably intelligence. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. 
It's, I don't. I, think it's, I don't even some, mind some control, are so, bro. So intelligence, uh, our intelligence saving throws would be more of like being able to like see through an illusion. Uh, wisdom is more of the you know because you're talking more of like your 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 brain power in a way. Uh, so that's going to be more of trying to fight against a mind control. Um, charisma could either be to try and uh, not be afraid of something, so some sort of fear effect, or also uh, could potentially be some sort of charm effect as well, um, depending on what the situation or what the spell calls for. Uh, next are going to be skills, and again, they're tied to one of the six ability scores. So, for example, acrobatics, um, you know, how well you can, um, you know, dip, dive, or dodge. Um, that's going to be your dexterity-based, you know, how well you can kind of uh, maybe, uh, you know, recover from a fall or something like that. Um, you know, animal handling, that's going to be wisdom uh, because that's going to be how well you can, you know, interact with a creature and that kind of thing. Um, arcana is strictly intelligence because it's more of how well you've studied in the arcane arts. Um, and it goes down the list, you know, based on... And like, they're all labeled for you. Yes, the great thing about it is that they're all labeled for you. So what I like to do is I like to go down the list and just add my bonuses, whatever it is, mm -hmm. to whatever ability score it is. Um, that way it's, it's a little bit easier to try and find it other than, okay, I have to do a nature check. Okay, that's intelligence. What's my intelligence bonus? Right. You got it right there. Basically, work smarter, not harder. Yes. Just go on ahead, write it all down, even if you're like, oh, well, I'll, this is easy. I'm adding two plus two. Okay, well, if you just have to look at the piece of paper and it says, you know, animal handling plus four, cool. You don't have to do math. Yeah, you don't want to turn this into, you know, doing your taxes or that kind of thing. This is all Already math the game. Don't make it a more complicated version of math the game. Right. You don't want to turn it into a scavenger hunt as well. Uh, as fun as that sounds, right. that's basically the game. You don't want that to be your character sheet. Yeah. So you'll also notice uh, in those boxes is a little uh, radio button, if you will, that you can bubble in. Uh, and that is for your proficiencies. Uh, radio. What? Radio. Oh. Your proficiencies. Uh, so your proficiency bonus is going to be, uh, you know, just how good you are at certain things. Uh, and that bonus is a set number that you basically, that increases as you get higher in character level. Um, now, if you are a bard, sometimes proficiency bonus works a little bit different, but that's more of a bard thing. Um, but there are certain saving throws and certain skills that you are going to be proficient in. Um, and that is something that you get while you're creating your character from the get-go. Um, your classes are going to have one or two uh, saving throws that you're proficient in, and you're going to get certain skills that you're proficient in based on your class, based on your race, and sometimes based on your background, if you choose one of the backgrounds that's here in the player's handbook. Um, so anything that you are proficient in, you're going to add that bonus to as well. So I like to bubble it in next to it, and then you add that number along with your ability score bonus. So if you are, for example, a level four rogue, uh, you get a plus two proficiency bonus. That is a, that's a set number. 
and then say you have a dexterity of 16, that's going to give you a plus 3 to dexterity. So then if you are proficient in something like stealth, which you should be as a rogue... I would certainly hope so. Yeah, you're going to get your plus 3 from your dexterity and your plus 2 from your proficiency bonus, which is going to give you a plus 5 overall. So that means that when it's time to make that dexterity check, you're going to roll that d20, then whatever number you get, you're going to add five to it, and that's going to be your result for your check. And uh, that is one of those things that, especially for new players, uh, one of the first things that happens is, oh, I want to do this really cool thing. And then I'm like, okay, make, a, make an acrobatics check. What? Like, how do I do that? So, and that's, and it's really easy, you know, they're, they're just right here on the list. Um, and I've seen so many people who don't write it down and then they think okay acrobatics that's dexterity and they just add their dexterity modifier because they forgot that they have an additional bonus because they didn't write it down yeah so So. always make sure that you're aware of what you can add your proficiency bonus to um especially when it comes to things like attack rolls um you're always, uh, if, as long as you are proficient with the weapon that you're wielding, whether it's a melee weapon or a ranged weapon, you're adding your proficiency bonus to it, um, which is super important because one or, you know... You, People if you're forget off, all the time. Yeah, if you're off by one or two numbers, that could really make the difference in a hit or a miss. Marisha um, Ray. Well, and... <laughs> even people that we've played to. Oh, all played the time. With for, and, you know, people that have been playing with for years, they're like, wait, have I been... Supposed to be adding my proficiency bonus. To I feel that. like it happens not necessarily every time we play, but like once every yeah. month or so that someone's like, "Wait a minute, I haven't been adding this. Can can I go back and add it?" And it's like, um, we're at the end of the battle. No, you can't go back and add it. But I'm glad that you noticed. Yeah. Um, now uh, your ability scores are also going to be uh, very important if you are either a spellcaster or have some sort of ability that requires a saving throw. So, like, for example, uh, monks have a few different abilities where uh, if they attack a creature, you know, they the creature has to make some sort of saving throw. Otherwise, they suffer some sort of effect. Um, it could be a stunning strike. It could be, you know, a couple of... a, a few different things. So that's when we get to your save DCs, which is, uh, I think, difficulty class, if I'm not mistaken... That sounds right to me. We'll go yeah, with that. that. If not, it should be. Um, so basically, <laughs> We've renamed it if that's not <laughs> what it's called. Basically, that is how hard a certain challenge or situation is to overcome. So something with a, uh, you know, a 5 DC is going to be super easy. Basically, as long as you don't flub that dice roll, you're probably going to make it. Um, ten and even if you do flub your dice roll, there's a decent chance that you have modifiers that will keep you from flubbing that dice roll. Yeah, unless you roll a natural one, which... Then you're screwed. Yeah. Um, 10, a little bit harder. 15, a little bit harder. 20, maybe next to impossible. Anything more than that, and you're just... And 20, you're praying to the dice gods. May the odds be ever Or unless you have some sort of ridiculously high bonus, you know, especially certain classes when, you know, especially like we're talking rogues, um... Sometimes they can add, they can double their uh, proficiency bonus to certain ability checks so that by the time you could start off with a 10 and wind up with a 26, you know. Um, Which I'm jealous of. But uh, so there are three different things that are important to spellcasters or anybody that has um, some sort of effect like that. So your spellcasting ability 
that is going to be basically how you get your spell casting. Mm-hmm. How you get your spells. How do you get that power? Um, for most divine spellcasters, which, uh, you know, there's two different kind of schools of magic overall. There's divine or arcane. Divine, we're talking uh, clerics, druids, rangers, a little bit more maybe nature-based or uh, most of the time this is... Religion-based. Religion-based or healing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Whereas arcane magic is usually a little bit flashier. Uh, It's a broader spectrum, certainly. So most arcane spellcasters have charisma because it is a little bit flashier. The only exception is wizards, who we, we talked about having that intelligence ability score. Um, so your spellcasting ability, if you're looking at your, um, you know, the standard uh, character sheet, your spellcasting ability, you probably want to write whatever actual ability that is, whether it's wisdom, intelligence, or charisma. Uh, write that there, maybe along with whatever bonus it, it is. I usually just write the bonus and then forget what the actual ability is. Yeah. Um, and then you ask me what the ability is, and then I give you a blank stare and say... The bonus is this. Yeah. Uh, your spell save DC, again, is what, the, what your opponent has to beat in order to uh, avoid whatever effect you're trying to give them. Uh, and that goes fairly standard. It's 8 plus whatever your spellcasting ability modifier is, plus your proficiency bonus. So if your ability score... So you're starting with 8, and then if you have a proficiency bonus of 2... That's 10. And then if your spellcasting ability is a 16, that's going to be another plus 3, so that your spell save DC ends up being 13. So that's what your, most of the time, what the DM has to roll in order for that monster to either avoid the effect or be uh, succumb to its effect, whatever it is. And then your spell attack bonus, most of the time, is just going to be your proficiency bonus plus your spellcasting ability. So again, going back to that uh, 16 score, whatever it might be, you get your plus 2 and your plus 3. So that's going to give you a plus 5 to your spell attack bonus. And certain attacks, like... um, trying to think of one off the top of my head... Like a fire bolt... Uh, would actually require you to, you know, you're throwing a, a bolt of fire, so you're trying to hit that person. So that's your spell attack bonus. Um, sometimes you actually need a melee spell attack, uh, which is like uh, either inflict wounds or vampiric touch. Uh, it's still the same number. You're, so you're still adding your ability score and you're still add, um, adding your proficiency bonus, whatever it is. It's just, it's worded differently. So a lot of times if you're you're like... So wait, how do I roll this? Because I know how I roll my normal spell attacks, but this one says it's a touch attack. Is that different? Yeah. And usually that just, if it's a touch attack, that means that you have to physically touch them. Um, For some reason, it took me a really long time to figure that out. Um, I think it's just because, again, we were playing 3.5, and it was a really unnecessarily complicated... Well, and 3.5 rolls actually were, like, really different, so... Yeah. yeah, Like, when we switched to 5th edition, just something clicked, and I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. Um, Yeah, that was one of the fun parts about switching from 3.5 to 5, was that we were still making things overly complicated when it didn't need to be. So when things ended up being really simple, we were like, no, wait, there has to be more to this. Also, don't ever switch mid-campaign. Um... It makes life complicated more so than it already is. Yeah. We did that, and 
I think we had already made our campaign overly complicated as players, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah. I think that was after we bought a person. I had a lot of feelings. It was, it was after you I bought was a person. I was telling about that but, recently. Uh, it, was, it was right around the time you tried to cremate your dog. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, no, I didn't try to cremate my dog. I tried to bring back my dog, and then we ended up cremating the dog in an alley. D&D, guys. Uh, people do really weird things. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, almost does just about does it for ability scores as far as how to get them, how to use them. Um, what those numbers mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, next time we'll go into a little bit more detail about how to roleplay ability scores um, the right way and the wrong way. There's a lot of wrong ways. Um, yeah, so that'll be next episode. Um, anything else before we go? No. Okay, bye!